It's not getting it's it, not getting it. All right, so we good? Let's go. All right. All right, I want to welcome everybody out there in podcast land to the Good Times with Good People Company presents the Law Party Podcast, where it is always about good times, good people, and good talk. I'm your host and panel moderator, Rio, and uh, let me introduce you to today's panel, because we've got a full one. So, our returning champ, Dave Tiemann, he is an entrepreneur and an art dealer, uh, Chris O'Connor. Uh, he is the uh, co-owner of Liquid Nine Broadcast Media Production. Uh, Lane Boland, he is a wealth manager. And I won't say the same joke because I know you've been looking at all of the episodes before this one. And you can fill that joke in for yourself. <laughs> uh, we've got Jesse Pringle uh, back after a small hiatus. Of, uh, of course, you remember him as the creator and writer of Kill 'Em All Kansas City and uh, the soon-to-be-released Kill 'Em All Los Angeles, uh, a fantastic web series. Uh, ben Roberts, he is our bartender extraordinaire here at the Pendergast Club. Uh, we've got Roy Scott, the co-creator of H3, and that is Healthy Hip Hop, uh, trying to keep hip hop clean and positive for the kids. Uh, Dave Elliott, uh, the owner of CMP Construction Services. And we've got a new person sitting in our panel today, Tony Laddish. He is a filmmaker, and he's also, he was also the editor for seasons one and two of Kill 'Em All Kansas City. So, welcome everybody. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad everybody came. First, I'm glad that the rain stopped. It was ridiculous <laughs> earlier because I was not sure how many people were going to be on the panel. But uh, it's actually cleared to be a fantastic early evening. And uh, we're going to get right on to it. First, uh, let me acknowledge uh, our sponsors, of course, the Majestic Restaurants Pentagast Club that allows us to record in uh, our favorite uh, room in the city. Uh, Jay Rieger and Company, uh, Kansas City Distillery, and yeah, and <laughs> Lane, <laughs> and uh, and our and our newest sponsor, Edward Jones Financial. So, let's ask the question that everybody out there in podcast land wants to know. So, what are we drinking? And I will start with Chris O'Connor. Uh, very dirty gin martini, actually vodka martini with uh, Rieger vodka. Change of pace for me. Okay, all right, Roy. What'd you give me, Dave? Drink some Jameson Black Barrel. Jameson Black Barrel. That's what I'm drinking on. Sounds <laughs> sounds Thanks good to me. big day. Appreciate you, <laughs> Dave. Team. Uh vodka and soda with uh, lots of lemon squeeze in it, and it's Rieger vodka. Ben, I'm drinking an Odell 90 shilling. It's an ale. Out of Fort Collins, Colorado. All right. Uh, Tony. Vodka tonic with Rieger. Okay. All right. Come on, Lane. The old standby, Overholt Rye. Overholt Rye. We're, we're going to convert him to Jay Rieger. Not a chance. As soon as physically possible. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Pringle. Jameson Neat. Jameson Neat. You know, I sense there is a continuity <laughs> with... Kill them all and your drinking choices. I've noticed you've drank Jameson several times. It's Irish, it's smooth like me, so. There we go. There we go. There we go. So, what, so what we have. smooth, he means like spurs going down your Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Big Dave? 
I'm also drinking Jameson Black Barrel, a fine Irish whiskey. And the one person that I did not introduce, uh, the anonymous female, say hello, anonymous female. Hi. Uh, uh, she is drinking what she normally drinks, and uh, I'm giving her my normal dirty look. She is drinking H2O, ladies and gentlemen. Aquafina. But uh, she is the right hand of the podcast, so one of us has to actually be sober at this table mm. to make sure that this band does not go way off track. Now you noticed I gave that a good name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, our, our next question, everybody out there in podcast land is wondering. Whoa, 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 what are you drinking? Oh, oh I am uh, drinking a uh, Rieger uh, whiskey and uh, a couple splashes of tonic, actually. Uh, uh, very tasty. I'm quite happy with my choice. Uh, thank you, Jay Rieger and Company. <laughs> As I'm doing my cheesiest smile right now, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the question that the next question that everybody out there in podcast land wants to know is, so what are you smoking? And I will start the other direction with Big Dave. I'm smoking my standard, which is a La Flor Dominica Airbender Guerrero. Just a fine smoke. Gambito Dominica. Jesse. I don't know what it is. It's a cigar, Jesse. Graphic because I like the way it looked. That's a great one. Oh, wow. Oh, Jesse is uh, Jesse is feeling like he has very deep pockets today, ladies and gentlemen. He pulled a great cliff out of our humidor. Yes, but but it looks like somebody put a cigar load in the bottom of it and blew up. No, 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 that's a that's a hell of a smoke. Yeah, that's a hell of a smoke. Yeah, uh, Lane. That's just some uh, Sir Walter Raleigh, keeping it American today. Uh, yeah, and as I have mentioned yeah. before. <laughs> like Sir Walter day. Raleigh, keeping it American. Yeah, sure. Uh, as I have mentioned before, uh, Lane is a pipe smoker. Uh, he does smoke cigars, but he is uh, primarily a pipe smoker. And he is uh, smoking his very smooth Sir Walter Raleigh blend of pipe tobacco. Uh, Tony? I'm secondhand smoking all the shit y'all are smoking. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. All right. We'll take, we'll take that on podcast number one. We'll take that on number one. Ben is smoking something this week, ladies and gentlemen. He has been abstaining for two or three weeks. What are we smoking today, Ben? I'm smoking the Oliva, the Oliva Series G. Yep. It's uh, just a nice little smooth smoke. Yeah, very smooth. Yeah. And Dave Tiemann. Rocky Patel, vintage 1990. Just makes I love their cigars. Smooth, mild, draws good. Look at that ash on the end of it. God bless America. That's perfect. <laughs> God bless Cuba. I meant that's perfect. Yeah, really. Uh, Roy, I'll just pick this up myself. It's a uh, Kojuno. Tatuaje. Oh, the Tatuaje. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. What he said. Uh, yeah, now it's also a, a really good smoke. And uh, not quite last, but Chris. I am copying Roy. Thank God I did not have to go first trying to pronounce that. So a second Tatsuwahe. And I am smoking a uh, Arturo Fuente uh, sun grown risotto wrapper. Uh, so, uh, and the anonymous female is smoking what she normally smokes, uh, the secondhand smoke. From the rest of us, because uh, I can only get her to smoke a cigar once or twice a year. So uh, today ain't it, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Today ain't it. 
which actually brings us uh, into today's topic. And today's topic is, da, 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 when did you know that you were truly an adult? Or as I like to say, when did you know you were a grown ass man or woman for that matter? <clears throat> And I am not going to uh, put anybody on the spot yet, but anybody who seems like they have an answer, and I'm going to say they're teaming. Yeah, I figured it'd be me. <laughs> now, was so, this before or after sliced bread was another? Wow. Well, <laughs> you know what? Is it before you or after that? the signing of the Money you mentioned. Of you know, <laughs> it's a good subject, and it's a tough subject to answer, because there's always lots of different things to think So... I knew I was a grown-ass man when one of the neighborhood ladies that came over all the time seduced me one night at our house. Wow. Uh, at the, it was at like the tender a, age of? I was about 16. It was a wonderful experience, and she taught me a lot of things. You still weren't a grown-ass man. <laughs> <laughs> thought he would. I love I had, you sure thought you were that. I had, <laughs> I, I had hair in places I didn't know I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I don't think we even have to edit that. No. Yeah. no, no, I, no, I, no. I thought I cleaned it up nice. I think yeah. you did very well. Yeah. That was good. What did she teach you, Dave? Well... <laughs> She taught me to be happy. As I am going to give Lane my customary Wait, dirty no, look good, for Lane across good the table. Good question. I can keep it clean. Okay. All right. She taught me how to treat women the right way. Wow. Well said. With respect. Well said. And, well, well and lots said. Lots of love. And then walk out the door. And then <laughs> and, and go home. Which is I wanted to with a hundred and she did. But but, but the thing is, when you're 16 and that happens to you, you go home with what's called a shit-eating grin. Of course. <laughs> well, and I wore that grin for about six years. Exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think he's still wearing it. If this, was, if this was 2016, that would have been a Snapchat video leading to a, a conviction. <laughs> Snapchat. What about you, Chris? Onward from here. <laughs> uh, there were probably two times. One was, I think it's different. I think there's times you realize that you're a man, but then there's a probably a time earlier in that when you realize you're not a boy anymore and you're in this awkward kind of middle stage. That's actually really good. So I was dating a girl. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, I dropped out of college and uh, did not speak with my parents for quite some time and did not have a lot of money. But, you know, I had enough money to pay for my own place, all the stuff, and I was living with this girl. And she was from southern Kansas, and her dad, stepdad, came up and started using words, which we do not use in that house, and uh, dropped the end bomb a couple of times. And I just said, listen, one more time, you don't pay a goddamn dime for this place. I do. So you have one more chance, otherwise you're going to be leaving. Did again, and it sure as shit. That's the first time I ever knew that I could kick an adult out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going, yeah. I pay for this for you. You're gone. You broke the rules of the house. First time I ever got to say that line ever, which I thought was pretty yeah. awesome. Cool. It is pretty awesome the and first then, time you get to do it. Uh, I think the first time I probably realized it, man, it was the first time I was ever able to actually truly support somebody through a job and, you know, those kinds of things and, and know that I could be a provider for, you know, the, the person I wanted to be with and all those kinds of things. So. It's kind of a good feeling. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, yeah, I am a traditionalist on that. I believe in that. So uh, that, was a, that was a nice moment. 
boy, I'm telling you, if you could just see this group, just their brains are going. <laughs> Clicking and ticking. What am I going to say? I think you've made eye contact. You've made a mistake, Tony. Well, is that the way it works? <laughs> is, that's the way it works today. So, when did you think that you uh, became a grown-ass man? Or, or when you knew uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt? It's going to happen one of these days. <laughs> uh, you know, I, um, I think the, I was kind of a late bloomer. And so I, you know, kind of early, early mid-20s was when I stopped uh, taking any assistance from anyone. My parents, my mom, you know, my, my dad died when I was 19, and my mom helped me out for years after that. And, you know, the first time I had to sink or swim on my own, I think, was when it really kicked in for me. And then, uh, and I, I kind of agree with Chris that there were a couple of moments for me um, and then the, the, the first time I ever fell in love was a big deal for me like as a grown man, as, a, as an adult, and lived with somebody and, and you know, had to be a good dude. And, and, right, uh, right, right, right. Do right uh, was a big deal. Um, and then it was, you know, for me, it's like every, because I'm kind of a serial monogamous, so it's like, you know, one 18 straight years of being somebody's boyfriend, you know? You lost and me. And so, uh, what's that? You lost me. I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, but every single, every single, every, I learned something from every single person I was with that made, that grew me up a little bit more each time. So, you know, I'm still doing. I hear you. I hear you. I definitely hear that. You know, I, honestly, I think it's probably that way for, for a lot of guys. You know, you just like every experience and every relationship grows you up a little bit more. And, and yeah, so I mean, I, that's really how it was for me. Anyway. Uh, trying not to make eye contact is also the way to get called on next. Jesse Pringle. When I threw dirt on my first victim. That's funny. He is way? in character, That's ladies it. and gentlemen. Uh, did I tell you that Jesse writes for a, a crime drama called Kill Em All Kansas City, and he plays the lead murderer <laughs> in the show. Uh, and uh, he's a quite... Strong. He's he's quite a formidable. He's a quite quite a formidable looking gentleman. As I'm doing my cheesy smile once again, ladies and gentlemen out there, podcast land. So what do we think? Or when did you when do you think you were? You you kind of knew. My first experience was <clears throat> physical responsibility, which was uh, two latchkey kids. I had an older brother, and all his friends used to beat my ass every day just because it was cool. So I had to learn how to not run them. Yeah. And then eventually had to learn how to, you know, Turn strap around. up and fight Turn back. Around. And then I think yeah. I was about nine or ten years old. It just snapped out on them. And finally they, they thought I was crazy. And I was actually <laughs> fight them. So, uh, how, how much older That'd were you? That'd be my oldest memory, I'd say, for something like that. Uh, so how old, how much older were your brothers? Oh, four years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I must say, they, 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 they had height, weight, and reach on you. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then, yeah. I bet they don't anymore. Then I grew up. <laughs> yeah, they stayed the same. So you have you have uh, some experience as an adult or young adult that made you feel like 
you know, I'm, I'm a grown up. First time I, you know, after I left college or was kicked out of college, you know, that's how I like to put it. But, uh, <laughs> kicked out. Honorably kicked out of college. There we go. Honorable. I decided, Kate, you request and I return, so I don't know what you call that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say the first time my rent is due. That's yeah, what Cam up. said the other yeah. day. Yeah. The first rent check I paid. Yeah. That'll, that'll wake you up. Yeah, yeah, it will. Yes, it will. Yeah, and you realize you don't have enough to, to buy the food. Sure. Oh, okay. Rent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big Dan? Think about this. Kind of a two-part deal. I think the first time I realized I was a grown-up man was uh, when I come off the streets of New Orleans and went to work in the boats, and then I got a job in the oil field. And I'm out in the oil field, and I have long hair, and I'm green, and I'm working with a bunch of bikers, and they tell me to go up and change the slips. And we were milling on some concrete down low, we were 1,400 feet down, right out the, right out the river, Gulf of Miss, uh, Mississippi River, right there in the Gulf Southwest Pass. And I hollered up the operator to turn off the rotary, and the pipe backspin popped the hair out of the side of my head. I had a goose egg size of no hair on my head with a big old lump. Ouch. And it did knock me all the way out because I was very hard head. <laughs> And one of, one of the Hawaiian boys, Duke Rosario, come up and helped get me down. They took me down to the galley and said, we need to get a boat. We need to haul you in. Uh, I know I was going to sit there for a while. A couple hours later, I said, I'm going to work. Right. That was definitely a step in being a man. How old were you then? Uh, couldn't have been 20. But then yeah. I really didn't become a man. Until I got to the point in life where I realized I didn't know shit. I didn't hit that until my 30s. We moved out here to Kansas City in 1991. And uh, my grandfather just lost his wife, my grandmother, day after Christmas. And Grandpa was a Depression man, World War II vet. We'd always been good buds when I was a kid. But, uh, God put me in front of him for a reason. I did not want to leave the week at all. And uh, he snapped me around real good. You know, he's one of these great generations guys. That old man ended up being the best friend I ever had. And he taught me about true responsibility about being a man. And I give him, and my father's mother, my other grandfather, they all have part in it, but him in particular hit the cord with I would get over and help him. He had one of the bunch of duplexes down Fayetteville, Kansas. And I'd get over and help him after work, do a few things for his ladies. He had a harem down there. Nine widows in there. He's the only widow. Ten years. <laughs> and uh, he'd go, make us a toddy, boy. And I'd go make a drink, and he'd sit down. We'd put elbows on the table and just start telling me stories and start giving me life lessons. So after he died, I've always honored him by being a responsible, hardworking, truthful man doing business in an honest way. And I give him a lot of credit for my success today. That's when you really become a man is when you learn to square up. <laughs> if you screw up, you screw up. Don't run away from your problems, run at them. Yeah. And uh, so I have to give Gramps. All right, here's the Gramps, guys. Here's the Gramps. <laughs> okay. 
Always awesome. give them a cheer when I have a toddy. Yeah, my grandfather was a big influence on me too. You know, I uh, I still actually have his old shoe shine box, and just I just remember Sundays him getting dressed for church. And, you know, he'd lay the suit out on the bed and then the shirt and the tie, and then he'd get his uh, get his uh, brush and brush his hat and, and get it get it right. And then he then he'd get the shoes out and put them on. And he wore the same. He used to was he was a uh, cement finish and uh, he put on his coveralls every day whether he was working or not he put on his coveralls every day and he'd sit down with those coveralls on and he put those dress shoes on and he'd shine those shoes up and it was just to a mirror to a mirror shine and then and this you know and then and he'd go ahead and he'd get dressed and and, and, and was, the funny thing was depending on the Sunday we could either be going to my grandfather's church or my grandmother's church or they could be going separate, which meant you had to choose which grandparent you were going to go to church with. And, uh, and, but you couldn't choose the same one all the time. You just couldn't. So, so, but I always remember the days that it would be like me and my mom would go with my grandfather to church. There's just something special about those Sundays. And uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely always remember him fondly and some of, you know, some of my greatest kind of man lessons. Well, you know, that's or, a respect. Yeah, yeah. That, that, he, he got dressed for church because that's respect. I'm going to church. I'm going to worship. I need to look good. I need to set an example to my grandson. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, that's, to this that's day. That's what grandpas are good at. Our parents have harder time. <laughs> our grandparents can do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, because he wasn't heavy-handed. He never was a heavy-handed guy. In fact, he was probably the nicest guy I've ever known. But uh, but he'd only tell you something once. <laughs> you know, I remember one time my cousins. My just, yeah, I said my cousins were. Uh, <laughs> so my cousins were down in the basement. I remember, and. Uh, and we were, the three of us were down there, and uh, we were young, and so my youngest cousin, uh, he was doing these flying ninja kicks into this lazy boy that was down in the basement, and, uh, and my grandfather told me to, that it better stop, and of course, I'm the oldest cousin, I'm supposed to enforce this rule, how, I don't know, so I'm only a year older than my one cousin and two years older than the other. But I did tell him, you know, and he, and he said, if I have to come back down here, it's going to be a problem. Now, Granddaddy kept a razor strap hanging in the living room upstairs. Now, I've never seen him actually use it, <laughs> but it was always there for visual confirmation that he may do something fucked up to you if he needed to. And kind of like the Soviets parading their atomic <laughs> every minute. There you go. <laughs> so he comes downstairs, and uh, and my little cousin he's yeah into the chair. He's going full tilt, and uh, and I have to turn around, and Granddaddy's on the stairs looking right at me, oh. and he goes, "Come here, boy." I want to die. Oh, yeah. So, and he's just like, I thought I told you. I said, look, I told them they won't listen to me. And uh, so 
finally he kind of, you know, you know, he just kind of raised his voice, scared the crap out of you know my cousins. They stopped. He went upstairs, and I remember getting in my cousin's face. I said, "Man, look, I ain't taking no ass whoopers for you." <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and when he listens to this, he's gonna be like, "It didn't happen like that." Yes, it did, Brian. Yes, it did. Yes. <laughs> Good story. Good, good story. Uh, let's see. Who? Ben. Ben Roberts. Yes. Ben. Just asked all over myself. I'm not a grown ass man. No, I'm kidding. Uh, when I'm gonna actually continue with that that theme that uh, it happens in stages, I guess. You, you think? Oh, I think I'm a grown ass man. Yeah. No. Like Dave said, you don't know shit. Don't know shit. Don't know shit. But probably the first time I really uh, thought that I was was uh, day I probably signed the signed the line to join the United States military. Yeah. And then I went through basic training and noticed that there were definitely some people who signed the line who were not grown-ass men. <laughs> and maybe I'm not either. Then I graduated. But I'd say the first time I probably knew, like really knew I was a grown-ass man, was uh, boots on the ground, Iraq. Um, I don't know, even then, coming back from that, I still acted pretty immature in a lot of times, so I'd say I'm pretty confident now uh, in the last year or so, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm 32. Hey, and that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. But I mean, generally, most people don't realize they're truly a grown-ass man until they're in their 30s, I don't think. Yeah. I think that's the age where you finally get slapped around a little bit, and you go, Jesus, <laughs> my God. Well, I just... <laughs> Made so many mistakes that I'm fed up with that. The boy, the boy mentality, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of uh, selfish, irrational decision making that puts you in bad positions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, when I'm, you start realizing your friend, when you start like, hey, dude, we probably shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That's the point where you're figuring it out. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good point in all these people. I like yeah. it. Yeah. And that's. I'll leave it at that. Sounds good. There's a, there's a lot more to say, but... Yeah. Well, Lane, what do you think? Hemingway would define a, the difference between a man and a boy as somebody who lives correctly, following the ideals of honor, courage, endurance, in a world that is sometimes chaotic, often stressful, and always painful. And you'll go on to clarify that a real man knows that in the end he's fucked. And, <laughs> and how he graces being fucked, or how he hint faces being fucked with grace is what defines a man from a boy. Ah, that's that's, that, that's actually <laughs> a very good one. That's, that's, that's super like that. accurate. That. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, way was wise in that way. He's yeah. good so, I mean, at, at first I thought I was a man, not when I was wounded the first time, but when a couple of my soldiers were wounded as a result of one of my orders. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and it was like in about a quarter second where I saw the mortar round go up, I saw that truck blow up, and then I saw tracer rounds coming from 90 degree angles, thus signifying an ambush. Yes. And then realizing that there wasn't dad to turn to to be like, hey, get me out of this. Like, right. You know, no, I am the old man. You, right, you were yeah, the old man. At the age of 23. Yeah. Uh, no, but that, that really wasn't it. Uh, it was uh, when I was uh, 30, building my exit strategy from the Army. Uh, a business partner of mine ran off leaving me with about a $250,000 debt. 
Oh. To handle. And he's uh, breathing. Uh, no, he's not. Uh, but that's different. Let's say, I, I, I didn't do it. Okay, that's all I needed <laughs> to know. I, did, I, I don't need anybody no. out there podcast like yeah, thinking Jeff, that you're not this man. No, he, no. He, 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 he took the money or he embezzled basically our, drained our accounts and took off for Panama where ah. he met his end. But anyway, um, Jesus. Uh, it took me four it's years of living like a, an aesthetic monk. Uh, and, and another, I had to volunteer for another deployment to Afghanistan to mm. avoid going bankrupt in order to pay down that debt so that I could leave the Army honorably. Wow. That's when I knew I was a grown-ass That's man. honorable. Wow. That's yeah. honorable. Yeah. That's manly. Yeah. I, I agree I, with that. I, I think I have to agree. <laughs> that, if, that's, if, square, that's squaring up big time. Yeah. 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 You, you squared up. Seriously squared up. Roy? Oh, uh, for me, um... I was age of 23, it was my first son was born. And I realized that uh, I was responsible for another life other than mine. So that's when it really hit me and that's when uh, my life just took a 180. Um, I was at one point in my life, I was a scumbag and that's putting it politely. And uh, he was the spark in my life to see things clearly and recognize that my actions affect others than just myself and so my baby boy jizzle man he's jizzle man jizzle man yeah he he changed everything for me (laughs) so that was it that's when i knew i was grown because it it, it got real I had to take care of him. And, he got you know, real very fast. And everything yeah. else, yeah. So. yeah. Got real like a hammer on the side of the head, right? Straight up. Yeah. Straight <laughs> or, up. Or, or a cast yeah. iron skillet to the forehead. Right, now, that's <laughs> a whole other story that doesn't need to be told here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I knew. All right. All right. Uh, anonymous female, when did you know that you were a grown-ass woman? That was mine. With, when I got pregnant with my first child. Yeah. Delivering that child. And raising it. Yeah. Tough. Yeah, it is a sobering experience. Uh, I know for me, like you say, I I, I definitely believe it's stages. Because I know for me, I thought, you know, I was a grown-ass man when, you know, when my daughter was born. But I really probably wasn't really. I mean, I was, I was, you know, making the the the, the rent payments. You were and stepping the, up. Yeah, I was, I was doing what I was supposed to do. Uh, but I was still, I was still a filthy animal. Hmm. I was, I was out there in them, in them streets, hard, <laughs> like kicking it and clubbing and you know and 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 womanizing and the whole smitty. Uh, but probably when I was late 20s like say like around up in there is when it kind of kind of hit me that uh you know late 20s super early 30s when it hit me like um we're not doing anything with our lives except for talking guys and uh and uh so So it, it, you know, it's funny. W- one of the reasons that I do a podcast is because it really, uh, it really kind of hit me that if I was going to be talking, there had to be purpose. So, and be, because I love to talk, you know, I'm, I am, I love to talk. I'm never noticed. Yeah, 
I know, right? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but but it's got to be real. It's got to be some purpose behind it. It's, you know, it's got to be something worth saying. With a group of people worth saying it to, for that matter. And, uh, you know, and so when the suggestion came up that... You know, you know, maybe you should do a podcast. You know, it, it it was a thought that had already been in my mind, but to use my voice for something more than just hearing my voice, you know, was definitely, you know, you know, it it, it has definitely. I've known for a while that I'm a grown man, but it's definitely given me a different sense of purpose as a man uh, to to have a reason to use my voice. And so, um, so not not to get you know ex- not to get heavy-handed with 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 you out there in podcast land, but but it is it a, it is a privilege, you know. I mean, we we come up here and we have a good time and we smoke and we drink and we talk a massive amount of shit because that's what we do um, but it, it really is in service to something as a general rule and, uh, and, I'm, and I'm proud of that I, I really am I really am uh, so with that, with that being said I think I got to everybody and why, and why when they think they became a grown ass man I, I actually think we could delve deeper into that subject but I think just like with the relationship talk we may delve deeper in a new, another episode because uh, it, there may be a question or two way to phrase it that brings out uh, even more. But we do have uh, a new person sitting in on the panel, and I am more than positive that Chris did not warn him uh, what was to befall him because he was the new person. And that means, Tony Laddish, you're going to get to play 